Come one, come all. Hello and welcome to another episode of QC, the podcast. QC Radio. I don't know what you want to call it, but we're here. It's your boy, Dweezy F, baby. Quarantine, 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 quarantine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He is cancelled. He is cancelled. We don't do Tory no more, bro. Fuck Tory Lane. Sorry. But we out of here with him. It's your boy, Dweezy F, baby. And, and your boy, Il Yeezy. We're back for another quarantine control. AKA quality control QC the boys we here the queen's cast Queen and today council. we have a another nice chilled calm episode for you where we'll be discussing mental health psychological well-being how your boys delve and understand this issue but before we jump into that let's get down to some news jokes no news this is this ain't the radio we're just gonna go through a couple of cool things that may have happened some not so cool things that may have happened in the last week and just kind of chop it up from there yo do easy you know let me know what's been happening it's our new segment yay nay or mm, meh and i'm gonna begin with my first one which is a nay and that is that this week is the anniversary of the death of and this time last year was a really really stressful period in a lot of people i think it kind of ties in a lot with what we're speaking today with regards to mental health i think a lot of people uh took a mental toll with regards to how they dealt notwithstanding her family and friends of course but i think it was a kind of watershed moment moving forward in this country for a lot of people with regards to how yep. uh, the crisis of gender-based violence, abuse against women um, has, you know, boiled over 26 years, 27 years, 25 years post-94. Uh, it's something that is only becoming, I wouldn't say more prevalent, but it's there are less corners for us to hide behind. And so that for me is a really heavy nay, a serious nay. With heavy hearts, I think it's something that this country will bear the mark of for a long time. Well, the thing is, this type of thing is never going to be solved when, you know, we've only got ourselves to kind of look in the mirror and say, you know, that we are part of the problem. Most most, most guys, men, just don't, don't get it, you know. The same people that are, are, are then called out for their, for their bullshit and their behavior will go into hiding for a few days and then resurface and be supported by the same people that were talking about we need to do better and we need to protect women, blah, blah, blah. And this and life just goes on where, you know, these people know that they, they can continue to to act the way they act and, and, and suffer no consequences. And and this this case, Unina's case, will never be and unfortunately will never be an isolated incident. And a huge issue that we have also with the way in which it is dealt with or the, the, the scourge of gender-based violence is dealt with, particularly within or in between and amongst men, is on the, the whole focus of individual responsibility and accountability has been a narrative that has been used with regards to how this crisis should be dealt with, how it should be approached. But my my issue with that is that this is a systemic problem which really ties in deeply with the roots of how our society is structured, 
the history of South African society and the traumas and the scars which we carry from the period of colonialism into apartheid, the way in which men are socialized into our country, our society, the way in which we see our role, our function, and the way in which we relate to women. It's actually a global scourge also, which has been seen if you're following what's happening in other countries, particularly under this lockdown period, Mexico, Turkey, Iran. And that is my nay for the week. Then my mm would be the Democratic National Convention and the whole election process that's happening in America right now or the United States of America. It's like watching a train collision in slow motion, this election process. But we will see. The more we get into that, there's more to talk about as that cycle goes through. And that's mm. my uh, you know, neither nor hit or miss of the week yeah we'll we'll definitely we'll definitely cover that at some point towards the end of the year i think well my nay would be the fact that yet another a black man was shot in america this week shot in the back no less i mean i i don't think it's something that we need to really get into because it's just another non-isolated incident whether you're on the side of the cops or you're on the side of, of, of people, normal citizens, that's something up for debate. I just think that these things keep coming up way too often within such a short space of time that, you know, America's going to have to deal with a lot of its problems before, you know, they come to a serious a serious head. And then my meh, I would say it's a yeah, but it's not really because I don't really care about it, is the Champions League final and the actual whole... Uh, conclusion of this year's Champions League after quarantine, after lockdown, etc. Turned out to be quite a quite an anticlimax, if I might say so. It was a boring final. No, oh, well, first of all, no final should be played. Just you know, with some FIFA music, FIFA background noise, you know, and no fans. But you know, that's neither here nor there. The the, the game itself was quite boring. Um, then you've got a crybaby like Neymar. I mean, he's crying for Champions League that he's really won. You know, it's not like he's never done it before. <laughs> but he hasn't won it with, with PSG, so all that money. No, no, but that's not... Yeah, true, but still, I mean, it just proves the point that he really isn't the catalyst for any any team to, to win anything. So, yeah, that's that's my main... I, I'm just not sure what they're going to do next season, whether it's where they are thinking of changing the format in the knockout stages or whether they will continue to go in the traditional format, which, you know, both sides have its pros and cons. But that's, again, something for, you know, sports podcasters to, to discuss. Who knows, actually, but that's actually, uh, that's a solid one. I feel the same way as you did with regards to that Champions League final. I'm just, on the positive, I say I'm happy for my boy, Serge Nabry, as an Arsenal fan. Serge Nabry, a.k.a. The Weekend. That's how he's looking these days. And with that, we will segue into our main segment. Um, so today, your boys, we, we're here, two of us, homie to homie, talking about psychological well-being. Um, sad boys, sad boys. Yeah, that's us. It's, it's prudent <laughs> of me to say that we purposefully wanted to have a, a candid conversation around this because there are many ways in which you can speak about psychological well-being and mental health at a high level 
And it's a phrase and term that has, you know, really entered into the lexicon, our modern lexicon of how we, you know, speak online with regards to how we interact with each other and society more generally. It, many people have written and spoken about, you know, the epidemic of loneliness, uh, the crisis of mental health from our work stresses and the way in which modern society is structured to the pressures and also some of the greater ills that come with social media and, you know, platforms such as Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So I thought it would be very, it'd be a, it'd be a great thing for us to have a candid discussion of how do we more generally in a layman understanding or layperson perspective understand what psychological well-being or mental health is to us and the ways in which well i also because it's really important to consider sorry to cut you off there but it's important to consider or, or to bring this thing up because a lot of a lot of people just don't talk about it and they deal with these things internally until it's too late to kind of you know bring it up and talk about it and and, and have these things out in the open and I think it's also important for us to preface this discussion with the fact that none of us here are actual experts. Uh, we're not m mental health practitioners. We're not therapists. What we're speaking about is not advice, so to speak, on how someone should approach this or expert testimony on ways in which you should proceed to look after the mental health of your loved ones, family members, or even yourself to give you a metric to say, when you do such and such, it will lead to this. But it is rather just a discussion between two people. It pairs well with our previous discussion on physical health in terms of how you generally understand mental health, not just in this period, but more generally in life. I mean, we, we kind of, we kind of, cementing it in this period but it's it's more you know it can start in this period and, and how you're gonna create it how how you're gonna um train it essentially or train your your psychological well-being and exercise it going forward i know i'm talking about it like it's a thing but it you know and that's kind of it's a simple analogy that i'm going to use and I'd, I'd like to begin with some of the more like the difficulties around mental health it's it's weird for me to kind of remove myself from the general understanding because my actual kind of academic background in university and actually high school levels that I, I studied psychology um, in post-matric and at first year, second year level. So it's a bit hard for me to speak honestly about it as saying, oh, I have no understanding of, you know, psychological well-being or how these concepts work. But I am not a psychological expert. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. So I think it is still fair for me to say that I genuinely enter this discussion with a layman understanding. But I think some of the more difficult aspects of how people generally come to understand this topic, I'm just thinking of, you know, when you want to introduce something or a concept to someone older like an older relative like an uncle or something or a parent uh or someone who's not necessarily really clued into certain discussions and topics i really think about how do you introduce those kind of frameworks to people and i think for me there is also a difficulty in how this concept is generally communicated to most people in public i think that's some of the limitations around the discourse around mental health from my general perspective, 
for most people to find ways of grappling with it for themselves and for people in their lives? Well, for, for me, it's more to do with the fact that, well, personally, I only kind of came to some kind of knowledge later on in my, you know, towards the end of um, my university career. And after, you know, you kind of doing do some more reading and meet new people that kind of change your or, or open your mind to new things. Growing up, you don't really think that, you know, mental health is something that you need to consider. And if you do kind of go to a therapist, you're kind of weak. And that's something that's taken me a long time to kind of get to grips with, even now, it's still today. After having, you know, sat with myself and considered and think and 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 thinking about ways of of how to be healthy in a sense, you then start to come to realization that not everything is always going to to be perfect within your own mind and within your within your own space, and that's why it's important to get these things out and just to to read up on them and to discuss them with people and. Because you know, a build up of anything is not is not healthy at all. I think uh, that that's actually such a great way to put it. A build up of anything is is not really healthy at all. I find it interesting in terms of looking back in my own life and the way in which I was introduced to the concept of. I think I'm just focusing on therapy because it's the kind of mainstream framing in which one engages with or looks after their mental health was through, you know, the concept of school psychologist or school counselor. If you're privileged enough to go to a school which has someone like a school counselor. For me, it was more on the confusion around how we we had someone like that, but I had no understanding of how do you engage with that person. There was never a thing of, like, if there's a school nurse, you know that if I hurt myself, I go to that person. But the school counselor never really... I think maybe other people might have had a different experience, but I never really fulfilled that function of like, hey, if you're going through something serious, this is the person you should go to. This is the person who should handle that. I mean, if I remember correctly, our school counselor was talking to us more about why, you know, why you shouldn't take drugs and how to put a condom on <laughs> on a banana. If, if Yes, on the aloe, they were limited to the aloe lesson. I mean... I th- I think I think that was the function that something like Aloe was supposed to serve for you know within the school context of introducing children at the school level to broader societal concepts with broader you know I mean it's life orientation so let me not become Picasso about the way in which I frame it that's one of the limitations in it I'd say from our experience and maybe it's changed now for the children who are still in school but it never really fulfilled that function and I think for me a lot of way in which beyond my own like learning at school of engaging with this process and how it helped me frame my own understanding of mental health was through the concept of of philosophy or my you know philosophy as a field of study but also philosophy more generally in terms of your approach and understanding to life and also through media 
So one of the the shows I can say, which is it's also actually I just remember it from a, a psychology textbook before I actually even watched it, but now I'd actually recommend it to people, not for this, just generally because it's a great show, but also in the way in which they portray this though is the the Sopranos with uh, the character of Tony Soprano, mob boss, and this ongoing dialogue he has throughout the show with him and his therapist or his psychologist, and there's a way in which that was portrayed through media. So that's one way in which I came to initially understand mental health for myself. But going back to my second framing of philosophy or my philosophy towards life goes back to what you said now about general well-being and how you see and understand what it is that makes you well, what it is to be well. You know, if you consider how mental health is framed when somebody has a a mental illness it's framed in such a in such a way that it's 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 negatively construed right so no one wants to talk about it the same way you'd say oh i have the flu because that's phys- physical health you have the flu for a certain you know a, a limited number of days and then you recovered whereas people don't understand that even still, when I say people, I don't mean not me, because I still don't understand it. But we don't understand that concepts like anxiety and depression and et cetera, et cetera, aren't just things that can be recovered from. So what we do then is box them in, put them away and say, okay, I'm not going to deal with them. And the people who do exhibit behaviors and expressions of of these um, illnesses are then classed as crazy. I don't even know what other what other terms are used to describe the uh, people with, that suffer f- suffer heavily from from mental illness. Because I don't believe that that there isn't one person in the world that doesn't suffer from any form of of type of mental issue. You know, whether it is depression or anxiety or bipolar or personality disorder or whatever it is that have been clinically de- described. People's ways of dealing with things are kind of on a, on a spectrum as it is. Well, part of that, I think, is also because of the way in which wellness has been framed in our society. You know, there's been a lot of people have written on this and the way in which, I mean, the industry of of psychiatry and psychology, particularly towards the the end of the 20th century, um, you know, in, in, in particularly its relationship to, you know, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, the ways in which the general framing of a societal norm of what it means to be mentally well or to be a normal person, actually. There's ways in which that has also mushroomed into different conceptions of what is acceptable, what is understandable, of a general way in which someone should conduct themselves or be, just to generally be in life. So, and with that comes in other concepts of happiness and other expectations of how people should take the stresses of life. I mean, life in itself is a stressful engagement. Life is, 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 it's, it's, it's playing chicken with your ability to, 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 to break. You know, that's, that's life. You, you come across all these things that just, 
chip and chip and chip and chip away from you. So there's no way in which someone comes out of that completely unscathed. You know what I mean? More generally, though, because of the abstract nature of the mind, we don't even understand the mind. We don't even understand, you know, the concept of being what you are, who you are in this world, just thrown into it. All these other things trickle in, influencing the way in which you address and conceive of, you know, yourself holistically in terms of the wellness aspect, your your psychological well-being. And, you know, speaking like anecdotally as, as like a, a, an, an African child, you know, you're growing up, I think... A lot of people, I mean, just look at all the people in all the generations. This is a discussion that they genuinely could not have had of, hey, I'm sad. Like, I mean, just think of men in society, how they socialized uh, with regards to, you know, the... No, you can't say that at all. Now you you can, quote unquote, I mean, inverted commas, say it, but in the way in which the concept of of, of the man has has progressed or been, you know, structured in the mainstream it it was it was almost a badge of honor. I mean, everyone knows this. I'm not saying anything new. There are ways in which also that conduct has filtered down to how I mean, we think that things have changed so much or that we've come so far as a society, but there's ways in which we still carry those burdens, we still carry those scars of how we engage. I wouldn't say it's changed. I wouldn't say it's changed as much as we think it has, because if you consider a generation before you know, or let's say our parents' generation. It's definitely not something that's spoken about. Even today, you can, you know, you can say, oh, I'm feeling such and such a way. And the majority of someone's, of, of people's parents, or at least fathers will be like, well, I had to do such and such and such when I was younger. This is nothing. You're soft. Suck it up and, like, deal with it, you know. There's no emotions here. No emotions in this house. I think it's it's wild because, you know, removing or being able to take away how much of what you have to deal with, how much you have to grapple with, with regards to your general psychological wellness is environmental and how much is actually just coming from, you know, yourself, that chicken or the egg dilemma. At what point did you come to understand your own mental health in its entirety or parts thereof you know when did you come to this realization that there's this extra aspect to 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 your health that needed to be attended attended to it it came in different parts for me the first part would be i'd say in high school where i first saw a psychologist due to dealing with a death in the family and that was something which the family school went out of their way to be like, Oh, you should do this. Not really understanding why, but it was an introductory process for me of like, okay, um, there's this traumatic, you know, experience that has happened. And this is a way in which it's being dealt with, which was for me like, okay, so when something affects you in this way, this, this is the correct way in which you should address it by seeing a healthcare professional or a, 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 a person who is trained in this manner. And then, like I said, I ended up going and, and, and having a interest in psychology, did it in post matric, started doing it in, at varsity level. 
but then my understanding of of wellness or that concept of health kind of expanded post that experience of you know psychology at that level and I really got into philosophy it made me understand in that beyond the aspect of health as being a point that you reach or a line that I must stand on in terms of if I get to this level then I am well quote unquote that there's a way in which my conception of life my conception of a good life or a life I'd like to lead fits this and this kind of you know metric or box something that I make for myself or unmake for myself it's something that I'm constantly creating tweaking and shifting and with that also came a different conception of you know how I approach my mental health and the things that I do for myself that help aid my ability to be holistically healthy meditation became a big thing for me I started seeing how exercise has actually always been a very big exercise and healthy living more generally were big things in the way in which you know I was looking after myself and you know just more generally like things that you enjoy for me like for example for me music I love music and the act of just engaging or listening to music is literally like a form of you know meditation for me and then for other people it's other things so that's how my understanding of it actually kind of broadened from in my own personal perspective. And what, what was it for you? Well, I mean, I feel like we went through similar things in high school, but you know, I experienced a death in the family and then there was never consideration of seeing a psychologist. Um, instead you, I turned to a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer and then work through it on a religious basis. You know, people will say there's, that's the best way to do it. And other people say, no, that doesn't help. You know, there's obviously, there's always two arguments to whatever you decide to do. But that's kind of what happened. And then, you know, after after you, I, you know, moved on from that, kind of didn't really think about that type of thing until towards the end of my university career, um, I met someone not in a relationship way, but just met someone who who dealt with a lot of mental health problems, who ended up using them in a negative way against against people. So essentially, although they lied about their mental health problems, in bringing that up in, in the context of our friendship group, um, that brought it to light. Then that added with my degree when you deal with certain aspects of law you look at at mental mental health and and how disabilities can affect the way you do things so from that aspect but the main kind of trigger point was when i started working and then seeing how my moods and behavior and feelings would uh, kind of ebb and flow after not dealing with it for so long a lot of these things came to the surface at the beginning of the year and then there's almost that like light bulb moment where you're like oh okay you know these are the things i never thought that i would be one to deal with and yet here i am dealing with it so it's it's still you know a fresh and a work in progress but there's more person on, on a personal level there's more kind of recognition of the problems well i wouldn't really call them problems but a recognition of what are the facts inside you know in terms of my own health and and really how to move forward with that. So how I kind of 
deal with it is to maintain a level of routine um, also to exercise regularly even if it's you know I'm not in the mood to do it I try and maintain that that hour or two a day to exercise and also doing things that I enjoy and funny enough one of those things is watching movies and it's it's almost a way of kind of removing myself from the reality and transporting and 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 implanting myself in whatever's happening in that movie to make it seem like I'm really part of that situation to remove myself from any type of situation so I can forget what's going on for the one and a half to two and a half hours that I'm in the movie and then coming back almost refreshed and say okay now we can tackle you know I may not have an issue to tackle but we can just continue pushing it forward so yeah that's kind of kind of how I do it you know again we're very similar so music is another thing where you kind of pick up on certain songs that kind of uh speak to you not in not in like a you know like oh I've gone through a heartbreak and this song allows me to express my feelings but more in that there's just a way that listening to music can kind of subdue any type of spike in in emotions it's actually it's quite interesting i mean like yeah like you said we're similar in a lot of ways and i film cinema is another one that i definitely uh, it's a great form of escapism i I think escapism has a certain bad connotations to it but i'd like to say like healthy escapism you know what i mean like it's good escapism reading books was that a lot of that for me also as a child growing up engaging in your creative aspect i think that or the creative part of your mind i believe everyone is a creative being. I know people enjoy terms like creative and whatnot to try to commodify like something which I, I personally feel is a, just a core human function. And I think that there is a nice link there with regards to how being able to engage into some of those things, like a number of the things that we've listed, uh, really helps to to bring you and help helps you to grapple with and and you know traverse that kind of terrain. There's a nice way in which that that outlet of expression is 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 really therapeutic, and so my other. Well, I think that's part of the reason why we, why we started this podcast as as a, as an outlet of creativity, and I think that's it's it's a way in which, well, it's working yeah. you work your psychological being or sense of self in the same way in which you work your your physical being, and the creative parts of yourself are you know in a ways kind of like that muscle of of the mind for lack of a better analogy or metaphor so my question to you as we kind of come to the rundown of this chat is with regards to the ways in which you engage friends family or other people who you have in your life who may be dealing with something or may not how do you know even let's say for example when you may be going through something how do you engage people on this topic how do you reach that handout to have this kind of conversation well well, i'll give it to you from from both angles so the first will be if i'm dealing with something um is learning is learning to to speak to those people you trust about what is going on because if you're gonna if you're gonna bottle it and not say anything at some point you're gonna come to to uh you're going to come to an explosion period where it's all just going to come out. And I've seen it all too often with people in my life where nothing is spoken about. And then it comes to the, it comes to a head and then boom, it's, it's too late to turn back. And then you end up 
you can you know acting in a way that you wouldn't normally because of but because of these subconscious things that have happened that you've just pushed away pushed away pushed away for all all the time so i would say you know finding people that you trust to be able to speak to about things and and allowing yourself to become vulnerable in that position and at the same time not being too hard on yourself for being in the situation feeling the way you're feeling i think that's key for your own personal well-being and on the flip side when someone else is dealing with it and they come to you about it and this is something i'm still still learning is not to find an answer for them because oftentimes well most of the time this is how i would want it you just want someone to listen you don't want a solution at the at that moment you just need an outlet to to kind of understand and if it's someone close to you you should be able to also do your own kind of research into how how someone is feeling and then you can also pick up on certain things without them needing to to say it to you at you know depending on your level of of closeness with them to where you can create a space and an environment that's comfortable for them to go through what they're going through for that period of time and until they come out of it um and and to know that it's not something that you can fix on your own it's something for them to go through and it's not to be they shouldn't be ashamed for it the same way you wouldn't want someone to shame you for going through what you go through but at the same time is not to treat people badly because of what you're going through and that works on both on both ways you can't use it as an excuse to treat people like shit just because you're going through something i think you know i kind of i really much share a similar perspective with regards to it's it's the spirit in which you engage with something like you're saying, you can't treat people like shit because you're going through something. Uh, and at the same time, you can't treat people like shit because they're going through something. The spirit in which you engage in something kind of directs the way in which that becomes a positive, beneficial engagement or not. My kind of approach with regards to this from there's, there's a point how I approach it for myself and how I approach for other people, they kind of come from the same principle, but the, the the technique, let me say, of execution is different with regards to when it's myself, I usually come to it or approach it through a philosophical perspective of, okay, how does this fit with regards to my view towards life, my life, and how I can, you know, live that life in a way in which continues to be beneficial for me with whatever I'm dealing with stress, anxieties around certain things to, to get a bit specific in, I mean, for anyone else who's also interested, you know, I think a lot of young men begin unofficially and some more officially, if you get into like reading philosophy and things like that, begin with a kind of like stoic disposition, um, you know, very stoic mentality or approach to things of don't have emotions towards something. If it happens, it happens. You're supposed to get over it. And obviously, you know, we can talk ad nauseum about how unhealthy that is and the way in which, you know, it's not really beneficial to any kind of positive movement with regards to dealing with issues in your life. But there is a kind of, you know, foundationary lesson with regards to, you know, stoic philosophy more generally of things will happen to you in life and you must be able to understand, see, hold or be in that moment and not necessarily be washed away by it. That at the end of it, you will still remain. You will still be there. 
So for me, that there is that aspect of, you know, sitting with it and there's ways in which I have learned through reading and, and gaining knowledge and other approaches and ways in which I like to learn how other people approach things and different perspectives with regards to how you grapple with 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 problems one of those was also through meditation learning about just dealing and sitting with those things not running away from them but also not trying to like confront things that you may not be necessarily ready to confront and what's that take what that took was for me to also learn about vulnerability uh, for myself to allow myself to be vulnerable and also it's also helped me to allow myself to be vulnerable to and with other people and I think that that for me has been the most important lesson and that sometimes people are receptive to hearing something for you from you or being able to discuss something with with you. And sometimes, as you said, people just want a sounding board, you know, for their thoughts and their emotions. And that also takes vulnerability for you to be able to just not have an answer, but to be there with that person and to help them. Yeah, just be in to the be in the moment. And I think for me, I can say that's probably my biggest takeaway is that to, to if, if I can just give my like, you know, final way in which I can capture how I approach it is being in the moment in vulnerability, especially in a period or a time in society when, you know, a lot of people feel really alienated and removed from each other. Um, due to just the way things are and the way in which we genuinely engage with ourselves due to like, you know, technology and the different mediums through which our social interactions are filtered through. It's, it's, those are two powerful things. I say, you know, if you carry that being in the moment and the ability to be vulnerable, massive. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's a, it's an, it's an ongoing process. It's not something that is going to just, you know, we talk about it for 45 minutes and then it's going to be fixed. You know, people need to understand, and I'm sure they do, that as much as physical health is important, mental health is it's parallel, equally as important. And that's the problem is that most people don't, they neglect this portion for physical health. And then later on, when things that have deteriorated, they don't understand why. So... I think it's good for these conversations to pop up, you know, maybe this episode will be the breakthrough for someone to come through and, and, and chat to people in their own lives and say, look, this is what I'm going through. And if you're going through something, you can talk to me about it. I really, I really hope, I really hope so that that'd be, that'd be really dope if a, a conversation like this does act as some kind of catalyst for someone to be able to make a kind of positive change to be vulnerable and to 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 reach out to someone, you know, in that way. I'd, well, I guess you never know how you but, affect someone, so anything is possible. Which is another thing. I think that's 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 it for this week. We also gonna we've also started a new a new segment where we towards the end of every episode we discuss our plugs for the week and anything new and exciting that we've got that we that we've seen. That we'll hit you up on, and if any, if if you anybody who listens has anything that they would like us to to plug at the end of the episode, hit us up. Dweezy, what's your plug for the week? My plug for the week is the show Dave. I'm not sure how many people have seen it, but it has some really good ratings. Had a couple of people suggest you I should check it out. I initially was like, hmm, okay, cool, like I'll see it. Is this like? a white Atlanta, you know, um, watched it, was pleasantly surprised. In fact, 
I mean, some of the things that they covered in the show, they they covered really well, like topics of, you know, mental health, just like what we're talking about and whatnot. And it's, it's, it's quite funny. Um, obviously, it's not for everyone, but it was for me. So that's my plug for the week. Nice. Where can you find it? <laughs> Legal. Legal. It's, it's not on Netflix. So look for it. Look for it. It's a Fox show. So, you know, you know how it is. You know how it is. You know the vibes. You know the vibes. What's your plug for the week? My my, my plug for the week is a song called Ain't It Different by Hitty One, AJ Tracy and Stormzy. I think it's going to be on Hitty One's next album. It's a good single, catchy. I mean, at the moment, I'm kind of doing a deep dive into into UK, into UK hip hop, grime, troll, and just taking a keen interest in the music scene that I, f- I find is 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 really on the come up. We've seen that with the, the rise and unfortunate fall of Pop Smoke, and him bringing troll to New York after. It started in Chicago and then went to London and came, you know, a second coming, like a like a full circle in that sense. But um, yeah, man, check that song out. I think it's pretty dope. The video is pretty cool as well. Hitty One's like a, you know, if you saw him on the street, you think it's just a normal dude. Like, I think that's what I like about a lot of these UK artists is um, they have this very run of the mill dude walk past kind of energy about them. The energy's dope, though, in terms of I just like the creativity, and you know, it's it's very raw. I don't know, for lack of a better word, it's authentic. What what I enjoy about it, what I enjoy about you know, not the song in particular, but it's just in general, is that they haven't tried. Well, they've moved past the UK scene has moved past trying to be American, and they've tried and and they they're moving to towards an authentic UK sound and you know rapping and and making songs in their own accents etc etc it's something that i find is why south african hip-hop has fallen off i think yeah that that authenticity that's the authenticity that speaks to me with regards to their sound i mean you can even see in the way in which they've also been able to bring in afro uh Afrobeats influences, um, you know, Caribbean influences, because it's also obviously the Afrobeat comes from the large African contingent in the UK. The the Caribbean influences coming from you know the the history, you know, and the historic link between you know black people in the Caribbean to the UK. So it's really dope how like they've really created this. It's, it's nice, man. It's saucy. If anyone has anything that they want to pl- want us to plug, hit us up on Twitter at QC underscore the pod. We'll be sure to to plug a chair, you know. But yeah, man. And on Gmail, what's our what's our email address? Our email our emails QC the podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up, hit us up. It's been your boy Elyzy and your boy Dweezy. We'll be back with another episode soon. Peace.